So what is a 10 millimeter? Like in handguns, I mean, obviously you hear of three main ones, unless you're a Dirty Harry. I mean, was Dirty <laughs> Harry a 44? Uh-huh. He had a yep. 44. You hear the 357 out west. But the three main, if I'm not mistaken, that would probably be military or frontline police officers like you are the 9, the 40, and the 45. Is that fair to say? Yes. So what is a 10 millimeter? So the 10 millimeter actually came out before the 40 Smith & Wesson. Um it's just a touch bigger than a nine millimeter, but the FBI, when they got the 10 millimeter, um, I guess they were having some issues with recoil snap. Some people couldn't just handle how much recoil impulse on a 10 millimeter. So what they did is they cut down a 10 millimeter and made the 40 Smith and Wesson. So it's just a little less recoil, but you're losing velocity on that same size chunk of lead. Um, so the 10 millimeter, it just has a little bit more punch to it than a nine millimeter. And it's, it's one millimeter bigger in circumference than a nine. Um, so it's, it's really close to the same circumference as a 45. Um, I want to say it's slightly off there, but you're getting more speed out of it than a 45. So the, the 10 millimeter that you have there is the new SIG. Yep. The new SIG X10. The X10. Have they mastered it as far as what you just de- described as recoil snap? I mean, can you get accuracy out of this 10 millimeter? Absolutely. So one of the things I think they did better than previous gun designs in the 10 millimeter, they ran a five inch barrel. It's going to give you a little bit more stability in that recoil impulse, in my opinion. Um, I think the grip and the ergonomics of this gun actually helps that, uh, Sig really did a great job in the 320. The, the the big things that I like about the 320 is you can change like not everybody's built the same. Your hands are bigger or smaller than mine. Like everybody's grip is different. So what they did with the 320 that I think really surpasses any other brand out there weapon wise platform. Um, you had a small grip. All I do is change the grip out. And it's the whole grip. It's not changing the back strap or uh, side panels on it to change it. You you basically pull out the fire control group and put it into a whole new grip. So the bottom portion of the gun is what changes for your grip. 100% probably the best design I've ever seen. It's that good that we went to. That's the gun that we issue for all of our officers now. Which gun is? Uh, the 320. Um, I don't know. The, the, the big thing that I, I haven't seen yet with SIG is any major changes in the X10. The X10 is a little different than just the regular 320. They they worked it off of a 45 ACP controls. So what I mean by that is you can't just pull pieces out of this gun and put in any 320 gun out of the X10 just because they've got to be beefier. Some of the some of the internals and that stuff have to be a little stronger to withstand the blowback of a 10 millimeter versus a nine millimeter. Um, I can't imagine that it's going to take them very much longer to get. I mean, you're getting 15 rounds in a 10 millimeter gun. Um, 
that they're going to have extended mags for this to where you could probably get to 18. Um, but the grip portion of it to me th- th- feels no different than any other 320 that they have out there. So if you're one of the guys that really loves the 320 line, um, you pick up this 10 millimeter, it feels absolutely no different than any other 320 that you have out there other than it's chambered in 10 millimeter. That's what I like about this gun. Um, everything feels the same. It's not, it's not bigger. Um, a lot of guns, they had to have a bigger grip. So you, like for somebody that had medium to small hands, a 10 millimeter wouldn't work. You couldn't get all the way around it. Um, the Glock was that way to do a double stack stack for them. The grip was just bigger. And it made it to where some people couldn't shoot it well, which is why I think the FBI back in the day had some of the issues. Their smaller statured people that they were running through these things, women uh, along those lines, they just didn't have big enough hands to fit around that double stack to where it was easy to maintain that recoil. SIG did it the the same way that they have all their 320s. Um, You can change grips out. And, and and just go. In fact, I did that this week with some of the new recruits that we have. We changed out grips because their hands were too small. Why would somebody choose a 10 millimeter when there's so much history? I know that you just said that it came out before the 40. Mm-hmm. The 40 was kind of a, a, a slimmed down version of the 10 millimeter almost is how you described it. Yeah, they, they, they just needed to take a little bit of that snap. So why would somebody in today's world choose... Where would you, where would a ten millimeter come in handy? Is it a home defense gun? Is it something that you would carry as a police officer? Is it a military issued handgun? What what who would choose a, t- a ten millimeter? For me, what I really like about the, why I would go with a ten millimeter in certain applications, you're in bear country or something like that. I would put that on if so you're it's out a side hunting. Side piece to a, yep, a big game hunt. Yep, big game hunt. Definitely do that. Um, if you're l- just looking for a little bit more stopping power, you could absolutely run this gun as a home defense gun. 15 rounds in a magazine, plenty for any home defense type setup. Um, it's going to give you a little bit more knockdown power than a 9mm. Uh, I would say the drawbacks are magazine capacity for law enforcement, maybe. Uh we're trying to get to that 17, 20 round capacity just so that we have it. If we need it military, they're going to want a little bit higher capacity in their mags probably than, than 15, which is why I say, I guarantee you if if I know anything about SIG history, they start and then it's, they build off of everything so quickly. They see that this is what us as shooters want and, they're on top of it very quickly on, nope, we need to make a, an 18-round mag for that 10-millimeter. But I would say, it, out especially for hunting, if you're a big-game hunter or up in bear country, this would be a great addition. Instead of the old-fashioned wheel guns, you're getting a better trigger press in this gun, more magazine capacity than a six-shot 44 mag, you know? So putting this on your hip, I don't think... I, I don't see any reason to go to that old school 45 or uh, 44 um, out in the bear country or something like that. Or, you know, if you were just hunting in areas where there's big pigs or something like that and you want to be able to dispatch them a little easier, something like that. 
That's so what is what is the 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 forty four has got a lot more knockdown power than the yeah. So it it will have it's got a bigger chunk of lead that it's sending downrange than the ten millimeter. But this carries more, so you have a bit more chances of yep. You'll have on target. Yep, absolutely. The other thing that I really like about this over maybe a forty four um, revolver type setup would be this is optic ready, so you can put a red dot on this gun right out of the box um, and put that in into your kit. So low light situations for me with the red dot on this 10 millimeter over a 44, I would take it all day long. Will you easily be able to tell the recoil difference between a 10 and a nine? Yeah, you'll, you'll feel it. I mean, it's, I don't think that it's for a shooter, somebody that shoots a lot that, that really works on their grip um, that has a good grip. I don't think you're going to notice that it's uncontrollable by any means. Um, somebody that's still really working on their grip, it, they haven't mastered anything yet or, or not really even close, the 10 millimeter, they'll notice it a lot more. Um, so I would say that working up to that 10 millimeter would be good for like a beginner shooter, not right off the get-go. So don't start with a 10 millimeter. I wouldn't. I would start with that 9 millimeter. Absolutely. So with this specific model by by Sig, you think that the ergonomics of this make it a gun that would feel suitable to the everyday carry guy as well as one in the drawer? Is it an everyday carry guy? Like you said, it could be a good home defense gun, but is it an everyday carry gun? Or is it too big? I, me personally, I think it's a little too large for an every everyday carry gun. Um, winter months. I could put that on, and you're probably not going to see it under a jacket. But in the summertime, it's a five-inch framed gun. You definitely have to be a larger-statured person to be able to carry that concealed and not be able to imprint so where anybody knows that that's what's underneath your shirt. You know, So that's streamlining into that. that. A carry gun, for me, is something that holds a good amount of ammunition, and nobody knows I'm carrying it. It, it. it is concealed, concealed. That's where I go. I carry the 365 XL. Um, I think that's by far the best gun ever made for concealed carry. The 365 or 365 XL. One of those two. It, the XL is just because of the grip, right? No, the XL, what they did is they made, um, it's a longer barrel in it. And it does, the grip is... I mean, very, very minute, longer, because it will hold more rounds in it. So I can get a, a standard in a 365 XL is 12 rounds. That's a standard mag for it. You can go up to 15 rounds, and it really doesn't change it. But it gives you a bit, it's a longer barrel. Instead of a three-inch barrel, it's a three-and-a-half-inch like, barrel. Three-and-a-half. Okay, so you're, you're fine carrying the XL model the way you're built? Yes, <laughs> and what do you carry on when you're on duty? I carry uh, the 226 Legion single action only. Single action only. Yep, which is cocked. And, it's, so it's like a 1911 style gun, but it's not a 1911. It's their 226 model, which is one of their biggest flagship guns that they've. I've carried that before they came out with the SAO, which is the single action only uh, version of it uh, my entire career until probably 10 years ago, maybe. So why why haven't you switched to the updated SAO? 
Why did I switch to the SAO? Yeah. It is a shorter trigger press, um, a lighter trigger press for me, and it with the Legion line, it's a shorter reset. So what I mean by that is I press the trigger, and it the travel amount to get back to where everything's cocked and I can fire it again is shorter than the old 226 standard that I, I carried, which was a double action, single action. My first trigger pull with my original 226 was long and heavy, okay? The hammer was down, so I had to pull that hammer all the way back until it reached a point that went forward. Then the gun cycles, and then my my next and several rounds after that are all single action. The hammer's back, it's a lighter trigger press. I wanted to go with something that had the same trigger press every time. First to the last trigger press is the same. Explain that real quick so the listeners understand how important the actual thing. It's not a pull. Like, you know, like you, they talk about pull the trigger, right? Yep. So talk a little bit about the importance of the, the trigger press and what you're doing in that moment of, I don't, we don't need to go into yeah, yeah. grip or any all of that. that. I mean, obviously we've <laughs> talked about all of this in, in past episodes of peace of mind, but in obviously practice is what you need to do practice is everything. everything you get. It's just like anything in life. You don't do it consistently. You get out of whack with it. Yep. Um, I don't think it's just like riding a bike. I think you need to practice. I think you need to stay consistent. I think that the fundamentals maybe are, but you still have to, to practice, to stay good on target. In my opinion, is that fair to say? hundred percent. I will uh, uh, jump on that to no end. Like I've shot a lot. If I took a, a month or two month break and never picked up a gun never had a dry press at all and went out and shot, you would see the rust immediately. I guarantee you most competitive shooters would see rust. Now, their stuff would be still amazing compared to other people, right? Because they've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dry practice and live round action. Going through the steps and and, and getting that regimen, you will lose that if you don't do it all the time that practice it is a it is a fundamental that will you diminish in time without doing it uh so i have a, i have a dry practice routine that i will do a couple days a week whether i get out to actually fire live rounds or not so i work through my trigger press uh, my grip my presentation on all my dry practice and it do, it's not super long i probably eight ten minutes max but the trigger press for me um i'm trying to get that trigger to go straight to the rear not off to one side i'm not trying to apply pressure from one side or the other i'm looking to pull that trigger straight in a nice smooth consistent motion all the way to the rear until the shot breaks or the trigger when i'm doing my dry drills the striker falls or the 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 hammer falls when you say straight back um apply it to the sig models now of their trigger press and what how they've mastered the functionality of that trigger is that something to where you as a professional you make your living with a gun being a police officer um do you get it worked on before you carry a sig or does it come out of the factory ready to go as far as trigger pull their trigger press goes the, their triggers you call it trigger pull at all i don't you just call it trigger press i call it trigger press even I... though your finger's pulling you're actually pressing on that trigger <laughs> Yeah, you're pressing it straight to the rear to me. Like, I'm not pulling it. Um, You'll hear some people say pull it, uh, squeeze, 
press. So trigger press. If, That's what I you use. You have to do anything out of the factory on a SIG that mm. you've seen to get that trigger press where you want it. Absolutely not. Those things come right out of the box the way that they're supposed to break. Um, they are short, crisp, not a lot of play in them. Do you um, apply a poundage to it? I have put poundage uh, gauges on mine just to see what they're, they're running at. Um, I, I want to say my 226 single action only is running right at about four pounds. Just, I think one one or two times I got it at like 3.9 that I ran it, but right at four pounds. Is that customary to most guys or is that just is that different with every shooter? No, so that's set up on the gun. Right, right. That, but do, do, do most guys want it right in that four-pound range, most women? Or does a woman want a lighter trigger press? Well, I wouldn't go any lighter for self-defense because you, you start getting any lighter and you're and applying it, 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 it'll just go off on you. So um, a lot of the guns come out of the box like five to five-and-a-half-pound trigger, which is great. It's still smooth. When I say poundage, like everybody's like, oh, my gosh, that sounds like a lot. It really, really isn't. Um, our daughters, they're, they've shot for several years. They, they weren't the strongest kids coming. And my kid presses all these triggers that I have. Um, and I, I like giving different guns to people to shoot because it makes them work on their trigger press. If I always had, if I had a competition gun that was set down to a two and a half pound trigger and it's great. Okay. It's nice and smooth and, and light. But then I gave you a, a five pound or a six pound trigger press, it would feel like a a ton of weight, right? So I like giving different guns and different movements. They reset differently because you have to be conscious about your trigger press or your trigger pull, whatever term you want to use on that, um, to get consistent. Like it's nice and smooth. It's not jerky. You don't pull some of out. You don't press some of it out and then get quick. It's the same steady pressure all the way through. Um, so I I wouldn't touch any trigger that comes out of the box from SIG. They're just set that way. What is the part, Jared, of the trigger press that um, you see when you see people shooting, whether, you know, probably a lot of the fundamentals of a beginning shooter, mm-hmm. of being surprised. What is the ideology of, don't be surprised. You want it to surprise you. You want to be ready for it as you squeeze, you know, like as you press that trigger straight to the rear. What is the ideology or the fundamentals or the mechanics that you would teach at the academy of what the preparation is of when that trigger goes off? Because that's the most, you know, important part to the shooter of like they're either going to react and jerk. They're going to stay steady. They're going to stay on target. What, what, how do you teach that part of it when the triggers at, or the, the, the pin is actually being fired off? So I would call it a controlled surprise. Like, you know you're pressing that trigger, right? You know that it's about to go off. But I don't want you to try to beat recoil in any way. We see that a lot with a lot of beginning shooters. They don't want that. They, they're afraid that that recoil is going to hurt them in any way, shape, or form. I want them to have that a good, firm grip Um to where when it goes off it comes back and settles right back in the same spot but on your trigger press for me i want it to be when it actually goes off it almost surprises you that it went it's that right at that like oh i didn't know that it was going to go off because of that when you're you're surprised you don't have time to influence the gun trying to dip down or push it to try to make the 
the recoil go away. It's that surprise. You don't disturb your sights when it surprises you in that aspect. So that's kind of what I preach to the guys when I'm teaching them is it should be a controlled surprise. Controlled in the aspects of you are pressing the trigger. So you know the gun is going to eventually go bang, right? But you don't know when it's going to go bang, I guess it would be the, the best way to explain it. You don't know when it's going to get to that spot until you get to the point where you know, hey, this is where my trigger breaks every time, every time. It breaks right at that spot. Um, I like to take the beginning shooters and get it to where it is that controlled surprise. Because if you, if you think about the controlled surprise aspect of it and you apply it to rifles, shotguns, you really don't know when that gun's going to go off until you've shot it enough to where you know that gun, like you're saying, it's it's always a controlled surprise to where you're you're squeezing and you're on target, yep. but you're not sitting there going one, two, three, boom. Well, you know, like it's not it's not like a countdown every single time. No. It's you can't sit there and go five, four, three. You can't react like that. Nope. So when you're when you're instinctively shooting, whether it's home defense or whether it's at a duck or whether it's at you know at a 300 yard deer with a rival, I don't really think that that changes on that controlled surprise aspect. No. And I use my sights to dictate when that round goes off. When I'm on target, just like you're saying, shooting a duck or I've got the right lead and I just press through that trigger and it's, it, it goes off. Right. I'm not, Oh, I got to catch up. And then I'm, I'm forcing it. It's, Right through, and yeah. I'm just applying because if, that if additional pressure. it wasn't a pressure. controlled surprise, you would see a jerk. You would see an yep. actual application of yep. pressure that would jolt the gun. And in most, like what you're talking about with shotgunning, when you do that, you can't keep your muscles flowing. It's not no. consistent, right? So the number one thing in, in the muzzle and shotgun is to keep the muzzle moving through the shooting zone, right? Yep. So the target zone. And a lot, and the number one mistake people make I mean, I, that's kind of, I don't know if that's the number one mistake, but it's way up, it's there. up there. It's stopping your barrel. Yep, 100%. And, and that comes from forcing the trigger, trigger yes. press, I would assume. They're not smooth with it. They're not continuous with that trigger press all the way through, okay? Um, and they do. I would say you're probably very, very close to being the number one thing. Most people stop their gun movement through the zone on a moving target, and they shoot behind the target almost every time you want to have that nice and you're just swinging through on a shotgun and that only nice a shotgun sh- though right only on the shotgun because i mean you're spreading the pattern out yes you're letting the duck or the bird the pheasant whatever fly through the pattern of bb's and shot yes with a with a 10 millimeter okay you know you you got a target a moving target you might get out in front of it a little bit but you don't necessarily keep the gun moving do you you would fundamentals, s- I'm talking. Fundamentals. You, you're still on a moving target. You're still going to want to move with that target. Because so, well, think about this. So my first round, let's say it hits him, but it doesn't stop him. If I've stopped my gun and he continues or she continues to move, my target continues, now I've got to pick back up the pace and go again with him. So you get out in front, squeeze, and keep going in case that target keeps going? Yep, whatever your lead would be. Whatever your lead would be. So mm-hmm. how do you apply a lead in a handgun? This is one thing that's interesting to me that I've never really learned, you know, being transparent is, is there, like in shotgunning, I, I completely get. You know your leads. Depending on the wind and depending on which direction, over over the top, left to right, right to left, rabbit on the ground, 
absolutely there's leads, there's right? still going to be very very similar to the same leads that you're talking about really? just just think about this though your shotgun's traveling at whatever feet per second at that yardage right the let's say 25 yards well your lead's not going to be as much as 40 yards 50 yards that's same thing about throwing a football right that quarterback doesn't throw the ball where that receiver's at no he's got to lead him so the receiver saying it almost identical the only real way to get good at that is to do it right you didn't just pick up a shotgun and like oh i know all my leads at these varying distances. Oh, no, it's all practice. It's, it's all practice, right? So shooting a little bit at a moving target, which is, honestly, it's super hard to go find a range that has moving targets for people. It is. Like, you're going to have to go to one of the top-notch shooting facilities in the country. Like Shaw Shooting in Idaho. Shaw. Uh, Mid-South. Uh, SIG. I guarantee SIG, you SIG. Yeah. Th- they'll have those. Um Gun sight, they have all those things, and it's you just don't see it a lot. Most of the places are really static type range, um, so yeah, you've got to practice that. We practice it every now and then, to just so you know where you're. If I press here, it's going to come right into the 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 center mass zone on my target. But if I'm on the center mass and I press and he moves, I'm probably going to hit the the outer edge of that target whatever way he's the target's moving it when you start talking about that as a police officer and an instructor in the academy do you teach the ballistics and the actual muzzle velocity like in shotgunning muzzle velocity with the different size shots is key yep does is that taught and is that a big deal with how fast the bullet is moving out of the muzzle we don't cover it too much we talk about it briefly um I, I don't think at the beginning stages for for beginning shooters, it's it, it, it'd be too much for them to actually grasp. They're still trying to figure out grip, uh, trigger press, uh, follow through, sight alignment, sight picture, all that stuff. Adding that on a moving target, we start off with a static type target for them that they're they're standing still. Um, we also start moving doing movement drills where we're the one actually moving our target is stationary and we're moving um think of this do you think it's easier to shoot a target that's standing still or a target that's moving me you're asking me yeah for me it's way easier to shoot a moving target because you shoot shotguns all day long right but if i gave you a pistol if i had a pistol i would be very intimidated by a moving target but like if a coyote standing still at 18 yards, mm-hmm. I'm like, start moving, dude. Yeah, With right. Shotgun. Right. If he comes in and he's going 40 miles an hour left to right, I love that shot. I can get out in front of him and I can, you know, keep my barrel moving. Because that's the- your expertise. That's where. <clears throat> right. That's what Chad has done for so many years. The the geese, the ducks, the teal diving in. I mean, you know how fast the teal move, and I mean they're ever flowing. Yeah, matrix shit. They're yeah. not doing just the straight drop in and and hovering like a big goose is they they can turn on faster than a dime but 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 what you're saying with if you just go straight over to the other hunting aspect weapon of a rifle i'd much rather have a standing still shot like alex crosby's great 
with running shots. Mm-hmm. He's very consistent with hitting running shots, going away from him, yep. 45 angle, left to right away from him. I've seen him make some awesome runs. Him and Clay, they're all pretty good. Alex is very good. Very good shots. at it. He's really but good. But I'd at much rather have a broadside standing steel shot with a rifle. Right. So, same thing. That 150 yard, 200 yard deer shot that that deer is just starting to move, you can't aim. And just hold straight and pull the trigger. You're going to end up hitting him in the middle of his guts or hindquarters. Because that time that that bullet takes to get there, that animal has moved. So you have to have those leads. So what what, are we, what I want to go back to, though, is we teach us is moving. Because it's got to be harder for somebody to shoot a moving target unless they're really, really trained at it than it is to shoot a stationary target. So as a police officer or a military, like standing still and saying, hey, here I am, and just in a stand-up, okay, corral-type gunfight, that's ludicrous. We want to be able to move to make it harder for them to hit us, but we need to practice at hitting a target while we're moving because it's it's very similar. Your your sights are moving um, Mm -hmm. based on your steps, um, That's one thing you really don't do in hunting. No, we don't. We don't run around or move around while we're shooting, right? That's kind of unnatural. I mean, I even guess, like I don't know of any application for hunting side of it. I wouldn't. I, I would. Like I would highly recommend you staying still to shoot ducks. You, you shoot them out of a pit. I mean, there's times or, in Africa, I bet, when a leopard's charging you to where you're backpedaling and you got to get on target. Yep. And I bet, like, in a wild boar hunt, like, you're running left or right because that thing's running at you or something, and you're trying I – mean, or some instances like that. Or sidestep of some side sort, right? Issue, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So all that stuff should be practiced. All of it should be practiced. I, I, I don't think there isn't anything with a gun that shouldn't be practiced in that aspect. Like, it, it, movement drills backwards, forwards, left, right, slants, um, that all should be – moving targets if you can if you got something to where you can go to a place that has a moving target absolutely do that and i'm not talking something that's running 100 miles an hour i mean that's ridiculous get something that just moves it will teach you the tracking with your your sidearm or your rifle whether it's an ar or a pistol yeah that's a good point um one of the things i want you to touch on real quick is whether it's applied to hunting or home defense or, um, you know, what you're talking about, moving and shooting, okay, you got to practice all of this, is I, I would recommend, and I'm, all, and I'm always interested in the fitness part or the recovery of the heart part. Like, if you're in theater as a military guy and you're a door kicker and you're running through alleys in Baghdad and you're, you know, you got close, you got to, your, your adrenaline's going, your heart rate's, your heart's beating faster than just a resting heart rate. Same when, with you and you're yep. in pursuit of somebody. It's not like you're sitting there at a 55 beats per minute heartbeat and you're just sitting there going, oh, this is fine. You're, you're ready to roll. Your, your, your fight or flight senses are coming into effect. The stress, yeah. The stress Absolutely. on your body. So you have to take that into consideration of home defense isn't just owning a gun. No. Concealed carry is not just carrying a gun and having a license to do so. It's what if. First off, the responsibility that comes when you do pull that gun, right? That's a big deal. Huge. I don't want to go into that aspect. We, we, we won't we, talk about we've that. kind of we, talked about we've that talked a little about bit, that but not. Like that. And it's very important. Yes. But that heart rate part of it of, uh-huh. oh, my gosh, it's going down. So have you prepared for that? And how do you practice for that? We actually we call it stress testing. So we will. The, the only way we can get your heart rate up, right, yep. is run, run. In, a, in a in a training environment. 
yep. is do burpees, go run a sprint, 50-yard sprint, do a bunch of push-ups, get back up, draw your weapon if that's if you're going to work from the draw that day or from a table, and then do your shooting drill. Um, you will see that adrenaline, um, your heart rate, your your breathing will have an impact on your overall ability to how well you shoot. So we do that. We will make running tests. We will do kind of like we've actually done a bunch of drills at our department for like kind of like a three gun system yeah. where That's all right from here you got to shoot blah 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 get rid of your rifle run to this location pick up a shotgun load it fire these three rounds run over here as you're loading again fire more rounds here get rid of your shotgun run to this next station draw your pistol engage these targets run to the next target station and fire these three rounds all in which they give you commands on the red targets or your threats or your green targets or threats or whatever makes you think you can't just run through it and go on i just shoot whatever i see because in real life there are going to be threats possibly and yeah. innocence right like i can't just shoot everybody that's out in the grocery store because this one guy pulls a gun right no, he's my threat. I've got to get to the right angles. Um, we will put targets up that are behind each other so that I can only get a good shot on the threat target at a good angle. Yeah, and when you go to, and I'm not interrupting you, but when you mention some of these places that have that, that's exactly what you see. Yes. X's, O's, different colors, different positioning of targets to where there's a good guy behind a bad guy. Yep. Because it applies to military, too. So if you go to a place like Shaw Shooting in Idaho or Mid-South and in, on the, on yep. the Memphis Mississippi border, then you're going to see that. Yes, and if you're going to carry, you have to practice this. Yes, I mean we'll, we will actually cover half half a target with a white piece of paper. Don't shoot the white. That's a good guy. That's the good guy. Almost like a hostage. We'll do hostage shots where we'll have a plate that's just barely over the shoulder of our innocent. Right. So if you're a civilian and you don't have access to a place like this. And you might not be savvy to go. There's guys I know that go out and weld and fabricate, and you have a heck of a system that you pull out of your truck. But not yep. everybody's accustomed. Not to everybody that. has that. There are a lot of paper targets that you can get that will simulate. So that if for you, you have that simulation of the paper target, okay, and you can mm -hmm. get it on some sticks, put it into the ground to where it's stable. Yep. The next thing is a table. Okay, you have a table out there. Okay. Is it smart to say, put your gun on the table? Obviously, it's in a controlled environment. No kids around. You might have your shooting partner there or your instructor. Like, you're my instructor. You'll be out there. I take off, and I go on a medium jog on a slight incline, come back, and then you go get the gun and shoot target number eight. Is that a drill that you could do to get that heart rate up Absolutely. on your own? Absolutely. I wonder if people do that. Like I've they... actually seen it out in the desert where I, where I go shoot. So it's probably some military or... Somebody that's training, they're doing a three well, maybe gun. Maybe it is just a home guy. Well, it could be a guy that's just doing uh, personal defense with it. I've seen the sandbags. I don't know if you've seen them where they're like weights. They're they're picking up. They're pressing them above their heads. The, the, they actually make those that you fill with sand. They have handles on them that I've watched guys that we train with. A lot of our SWAT guys will use that in part of their workout to get the, the get the adrenaline going. Get, get the, the adrenaline heart rate going. Up. And you could even do that dry. Yeah. Dry drills at home. Get in your gym, put a holster belt on, uh, put your gun in there, make sure it's safe, unloaded, no no rounds anywhere around. Get on the treadmill, do some runs, get on a, a, a bike, do the 
assault bike, do some burpees, and then on a target on the wall, draw your weapon out and do some dry practice. Isn't that sound like an applicable way to practice? After you get the fundamentals and mechanics down, obviously, mm-hmm. you're not going to do this on day one. No, no, no. It just sounds to me like a smart way to train for home defense and getting or carry. Yep. I just don't under, I don't think people have a good understanding and I don't, I've never been in this situation. I've been in that adrenaline of hunting, yeah. but I've never been in that adrenaline of having to defend a community or a store or my home. Thank God, knock on wood. Right. But I want to be prepared when it, if it does happen. But I, I do think that that, that hunting has a correlation to home defense to a point that we've all had those adrenaline highs and I mean, we're going and we're trying to get in the position to get oh, that yeah. deer or whatever. And, you're, and oh, yeah. you're just, you're booking it. You're hauling ass up that hill as fast as you can. Cause you know, you got to get in this spot because that deer or antelope or elk, they're moving and you got to get into the spot to cut them off. Right. Yeah. So you move, you've had that adrenaline spike huge. You get in the spot and you can see people's guns. I mean, they're moving. So I'd say you shooting ducks and geese, probably not as big on the cardiovascular portion of it. But you still have. You can be, though. But you, you still you, have the adrenaline, that adrenaline if spike. You, if you picture, uh, two things I want to say real quick is, one, going back to the hunting aspect is it's got your instincts. So if you apply those instincts that I've learned being a woodsman or a water a yep. guy in the water and hunting and, you know, anticipation, knowing how to, to – Knowing, you know, your home. You're in your home. That burglar doesn't know your home. So it's like being in that elk's home. So oh, now yeah. you're sitting there going, all right. I, you got the home field advantage. If I Absolutely. I get woken up by my alarm or I hear a broken window, am I ready to reach into this drawer, hit my fingerprint, get that safe, get that gun out of there and be ready? Next thing is you're listening. You're watching. It's more than likely going to be dark. Do you have a flashlight ready to put? There's all these different things that could apply to hunting. The other part about waterfowl hunting is that your adrenaline's going, and the flock comes in, and you knock down eight geese, and I get up out of the pit. you got to jolt yourself up out of the pit like a dip mm-hmm. and then get out, run out with these big boots on on an uneven cornfield. You're picking up birds that are 10 to 13 pounds apiece. you got, <coughs> excuse me, got three in each hand. Yep. Now you're running back, and that dead weight's dropping every time you're running, yep. and then you got to filter them out. Then you got to get down another dip into the pit. Load and your now gun you, back up. Now you got to load your gun, and then you got to get the call and be ready. Hyperventilate into it, 100%. So, all of that stuff applies, 100%. Being in good shape, I mean, look at look at walking through water. Say you don't have a good dog like you guys got out there, oh, dude, you're having you're, you're you're mud deep in water. If you have a good dog, like, you got to get out, you got to get out there and move around, right? So, walking through that water, your heart rate and all that stuff and exercise portion of it, you're gonna have that. So, I say. Really, it does correlate. I mean, if you're a guy that really gets out there and goes and hunts, chucker hunters, oh, my gosh, the amount of hiking and that stuff, and then all of a sudden they're totally surprised by a covey of pheasant or chucker or whatever, they're they're already kind of fatigued a little bit based maybe off how far they've hiked. That's why, that's why if you miss a chucker, that's what it's from. <laughs> exactly. And you're just surprised you're, and you're out of breath. And you're, yep. If you don't have a good pointing dog that holds them, and before he flushes them or she flushes them and gives you a chance as the hunter to get up there. And calm down maybe calm a little down bit. A little bit, yeah. 100%. So I, I definitely see the correlation between good hunters that really get out and work, um, not road hunter guys. I'm talking guys that are out there working on it, um, to self-defense. You're still getting 
somewhat of that that cardiovascular up in your heart rate and that adrenaline spike. But going back to working out and doing all those things in your own gym at home, it costs you absolutely nothing in ammunition to do dry fire, to do draws, to do your presentation, to do magazine reloads. It costs you nothing. So on days, hey, it's really, really rainy out or right now we've had so much snow in areas it's hard to get into the areas that you would go shoot because the roads are so bad in some spots um get that dry practice in get 30 40 minutes which is no damage to the gun at all nothing you can dry fire one of these guns all the time i do it constantly i will have probably 25 to 50 trigger presses in my dry fire drills and 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 just like the right type of practice it's key here not to cut corners on this practice of of all of the different aspects and mechanics that go into that. Because a lot of men and women, when they start shooting a gun, they go straight to this mindset. I want to shoot. I got to hear. I got to go shoot. I got to see it on target. I want to see some results. Where's the ammo? Yep. You know, take the time to, to do these dry drills. Absolutely. And then you can start adding in what you're getting to is the, the, the working out aspect to get the heart rate up. Mm-hmm. To me is really key of, of the good that separates the good from the the people that aren't going to be prepared whether it's hunting home defense carry that 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 time where that heart rate is peaking and it could get up man i mean you get your fat burning zone is going to be somewhere at my age and at your age at 120 beats per minute you get up to 180 and when you're really stressing it when you're really pumping almost the 200 yeah absolutely. that's where you're going to be sometimes when you when this, this i would imagine Unless you're so trained and you're a SEAL or a cop that's been on beat for freaking 20 years, a regular citizen is going to spike. And he or she yep. has to be ready because nobody, it's that surprise, it's that element of surprise that's going to get you. And are you going to be prepared to react and instinctively gun ready? Yep. And it, so I've, I've read a bunch of studies on uh, military guys like the SEALs or Delta um, and they had heart rate machines on them when they were out doing combat maneuvers or running crazy drills. And their heart rate was so steady. steady. I mean, it was like sickening how, like, from arresting heart rate to shit's flying. They're throwing flashbangs and shooting rounds and running around, whatever it was they were they were drilling. They only climbed 15 to 30 beats. I wonder if it does in theater, though. When you actually have people shooting at you, I wonder what the difference would be. That I want to say, I want to say they've got some studies out because I read some of the stuff, and and I don't know a hundred percent that all of that was in theater or just in in practice in their their training. Um, but they they put heart rate monitors and that stuff on their guys, um, and they'll be able to monitor them. Hey, in the field, like hey, this this guy is at this rate. He's in the red. We'll call it. That's what we normally call somebody that is completely got sucked in they're not seeing everything they got the tunnel vision going on they're in the red like they are in the worst situation because their adrenaline's too too high their heart rates are way too high and they're just not focused enough um they'll they, they are way 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 below the average oh, yeah. e- even athletes aren't that good um you look at some of the I guarantee if they put heart rate monitors on guys during the Super Bowl, they are way better than you and I sure. at a heart rate. They've been there. They've done that. It's it's the normality for them is like, oh, it's just another day. 
Um, so getting out and doing that training um, and elevating your heart rate, um, running a 50-yard, couple 50-yard sprints and doing 20 push-ups, definitely something to work on. It's going to you, change your shooting in a, in a hurry. It, it will. And, and, and it, you got to go through baby steps, I call it. You can't sure. go, oh, yeah, you can't do that right off the get-go, you guys. If, if you think that me saying, hey, you need to go out and buy a gun and then go run around with it and do shooting, that's not the best way. You, you've got to learn to crawl before you walk, walk before you run, right? So getting out, learning the fundamentals, getting the grip done, you can't do bad practice. Because you're going to ingrain bad habits. So go slow. Figure out the grip. Figure out your trigger press. Figure out your sight picture. Figure out sight alignment. All those things at a slow pace until you've kind of really, 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 really figured that out. And then you move it up a little faster. Then you move up to the next thing. Now I move up reloads. Um, You got to slow things down to where you're getting it before you put on the next task. Because then you're not going to have the great fundamentals that you need. Um, it's what I stress to my kid when I take her out. Um, hey, we're going to work on these two things. I don't want to work on 50 things because it's too much. I'm going to work on these two things. And then once you get that, then I'm going to add two more things. Once you really get a good grasp on that, then I'm going to add two more things. And then I see, ooh, that's where you're struggling. All right. So I'm going to work on these drills because these are the two or three things that after getting all the fundamentals down, you still struggle at. That's I'm going to find some drills that focus on those fundamentals that you need to work on. We'll do a ball and dummy drill because you're flinching just a little bit. You're anticipating the shot to go off. Um, and what I mean by a ball and dummy drill, a live round intermixed with a dummy round. It, won't, it doesn't go off. It's a fake round. You will see what you, how you're influencing the gun when the gun goes click instead of bang. Um, Makes total sense. Craziness and that stuff. I we run it. I run it. I still have days where I'm like, I'm shooting good, and I'm like, ooh, let's do a ball and dummy draw. I just want to, and oh man, and then I got to get. I, I'll flinch just a touch. For me, it's a small flinch, but I see it. I see that little tiny anticipation on. Oop, I figured that gun was going to go off right there. You know what I do? I unload my gun, put the ammo away, and I do 10 to 15 dry trigger presses to make sure I get back to that gun does not move. I do not disturb those sights with my trigger finger when I press it. The other thing, I'll go into the red dots that we can put on. They are super uh, good at seeing what your ailments are in certain things. What I mean by that is it's hard to see your sights move when they on recoil and, and that the red dot looks like a lightsaber through the, the window when it's moving around. If it's, if you've got a ton of movement in it, um, the ailments that you'll have, the, the flinching, that stuff, you'll see it. It'll become apparent when you see that dot slash down into the left, down into the left, down into the left. Every time you pull it on a dry trigger technique, is yep. that, that's what you're talking you'll about. See that's it. a great point. Or even during a live trigger. It has to be dark with a light. No, it doesn't. Nope, I'll see it when I'm out on the range. Really? If, if I see myself, I'll have a couple trigger presses I'm going quick with, trying to put a lot around, and I'll see that, that dot will... Through a window. Through the window on the, the, the site, right. the red dot. I'll see it, that dot. It looks like a, a red line streak down into the left, down into the right, whatever it is I'm doing. 
or I'm just not getting it back to my presentation. So you're talking about the window on the site. Yep. So is there a drill that you could do with a red dot on a regular window in a dark deal to where you're doing dry triggers and seeing if that, if, if if through the window reflection, you see what I'm seeing here? Yeah. You wouldn't see a reflection off of it. Would you see it in a mirror? I might be being ignorant here, but I'm trying to like process that. Drill. So the red dot, the red dot doesn't appear out like it doesn't shoot out from the site onto the target. It's right. not a laser. All it is is a dot that is in the middle of your optic window. So think of like a scope or anything like that. You're looking through that piece of glass. There's a red but dot. But there'll be zero reflection at all. Yes. I'm not saying a laser, but nope. you will not see a reflection. Really? Nope. You'll you'll see it through your sight. Through your sight. That, how that, that red dot moves. Um, we call it, will some say, hey, you guys seen the lightsaber today? Because it, it literally looks like slashes of that red or green, depending on what color dot you're running. But yeah, so that, putting a red dot on. Um, I know there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, I'm old school. I'm not going to put it. If you started running a red dot, you would start to see some of your shooting ailments become apparent. Become apparent. Great point of being self-taught, teaching yourself a great way to find the mistake quicker and correct it. Yes. Just through a red dot. Yep. So it's a great purchase. I, I honestly think they're... They are the way to go. Um, you and I have worked a little bit on on some site picture stuff for you, right? Yeah. Site alignment. Um, the older we get, the the worse our sights or our vision is a little bit, right? Think about this for the red dots. You, your eye can only focus on one thing at a time, right? For me as a police officer or a military or self-defense person, we've got to be threat focused. So I've got to be focused on my threat, what my threat is. For a police officer, you pull a gun out and drop it just about five seconds time total or a half second. I'm focused on you with a red dot. Iron sights, I'm focused on my front sight post when I come back to see where I'm at. Okay. So I get to actually see what my threat's doing with a, a red dot versus not a red dot. Say that last part again. So for a red dot shooter, we are focused on our th- threat. We are threat focused and not sight focused. Um, so I actually get to see what my threat as a, if it's a defense, home defense, self-defense, police officer, whatever. I get to see what my threat's doing because I'm focused on them and not my sights. When I have a red dot up, all I'm doing is transposing that red dot over my threat, but I'm focused on what my threat's doing. Always threat focused. With a red dot, absolutely. Iron sights, you have to, you see your threat, you come back front sight post, rear sight post, front sight post. You may go back to your threat just to make sure that's what they are, but then you got to come back to your front sight post to focus in on that. So like I said, your your eye can only focus in on one thing at a time. So I see a lot of people that struggle at focusing on um, their sights because they're like, man, I don't know if I'm aligned. And they just have a little bit of movement in it. Well, they're not as accurate as they are with the red dots. It's people that have vision deficiencies, like, hey, I've got right a eye right eye dominance. I've got astigmatism. I've got whatever it is. I think I've seen that help 
as well. So that's the other thing that I really, 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 really like where SIG is gone. Um, all their new stuff coming out, really, red dot ready. It is red dot ready. Unscrew these things. Put a, Unscrew the, the plate that's on top. Put a red dot right to it. And it's it, it will save you. Low light, dark, it's sometimes harder to see your sights. I mean, you And as you age, it gets way harder. Way harder, right? Yeah. That red dot or the green dot, whatever version you buy, um, it's not hard to see at all. No. It, it, you and you really can focus on what Do you care. Are you red dot on duty? Yeah, I so I'm. I did part of their training and evaluation on some red dots, so I do carry a red dot on duty. What percentage of on duty police officers do you think do? For us, it's not much right now. We are actually getting ready to start our first transitioning courses to allowing new officers carry it. Um, I think it's the it, it is very 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 new, but it is a big trend. What, I would say the future. You think yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, if it's easier to stay. I mean, the, the old school guys probably going to maybe stay iron sights, but if it's an accuracy deal, yeah. it's a no brainer. You'll see a lot of people, even though. It, they went. They were traditionally iron sight guys because that's what that's all we had, right? Um, they see it and they're like, "Oh man, that was crazy! How much more target to focus me, I can so get? So much easier to focus." But we 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 started going. Go back to ARs for people. We like now. If you don't have an optic of some sort on a AR fifteen for law enforcement, you are the biggest dinosaur ever. Ever. Um, ev- almost everybody puts a red dot. It is faster, easier to see at night, um, easier to be target focused, easier to keep both eyes open. Um, which is key key. I want to be able to see what's going on. I want to, yeah, my peripheral, peripheral and all that stuff. I want to have that squinting down on one eye. I lose a lot of my Another peripheral big mistake vision. in shotgunning is, yep. is going, one going eye. one eye, right? Yeah. So it, it, it ties a lot of those things in together. Red dot shooters, I keep, keep both eyes open and keep focused on the target. That'll be my biggest tip to those guys. Um, even iron sight shooters, hey, focus as much you, as you can to keep both eyes open. I know that a lot of people, hey, the further back I get, the harder it is. It is. It absolutely is. Um, if you're going to start to close an eye, try just to squint to where you're not really, you're not really closing it. You're, you're focusing it down to where it's not trying to be as dependent or uh, dominant at seeing other things on the site. I love it. I, I think it's so key of what Jared Woodward's talking about, Reno Police Department. He has trained many shooters in the academy. He's on p- patrol. He's been there, done that when it comes to handguns, whether it's home defense, whether it's concealed carry, or whether it's carrying on duty. Apply these techniques. I think drilling is everything. Become so instinctual when you shoot through drilling that's all there is to it you can't it's, go out and duck hunt and expect to hit every duck in the world if you've never shot a shot a, a shotgun if you're going to get one of these new sig handguns you have to practice and you have to practice the correct techniques practice makes perfect but really it's perfect practice yep it's a perishable skill if you are not keeping up on your practice techniques it's a perishable skill you your skills will diminish over time by not keeping up that that practice that's peace of mind sig sour thank you sig sour remember responsibility as a gun owner a gun instructor kids getting new shooters into the outdoors into the home defense into the concealed carry it's our responsibility to make sure 
that it's done right. And hopefully these messages and these podcasts of the six hour peace of mind series on the foul life are coming through to you as a way just to have a thing to listen to on the way to work. And you might pick up on something, but I'm telling you what Jared's talking about key in on some of this practice, your heart rate, practice your dry firing drills. It's key in being ready. If that moment arises, thank you, Jared. Thank you. Thank you. Sig sour. We're going to go out with a little 2 a.m. logic. This song is called my foul life. Tomorrow